The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In Discussion. Our guest today has written and directed films including Rat Race, Ghost, First Night, and many other successful features. Jerry Zucker charts his life and career in this compelling program, talking to the power and passion of entertainment and its implications to audiences around the world. My guest today has written and directed a profound list of films across diverse styles and genres, from Rat Race, Airplane, the Naked Gun series Ghost, First Night and A Walk in the Clouds, through to more recent works, and the upcoming dramatic Greenpeace project now in pre-production with John Turtletop. Zucker continues to find a dynamic and inspirational career. Jerry, welcome to you. Welcome. Jerry, can we go back to your childhood? and uh, oh, no, Please, no. Oh, I've, I, I, I have to. I've got to go back to those Milwaukee days. And, no, and, and, no, no, those were good days. I <clears throat> Tell me all about that. Um, well, I was born at a very young age. Um, and uh, and grew up and went to Hollywood. Did, did I miss anything? Oh, that's well. Thank you very much. I think yeah, that's... I think that's pretty much all, all anybody is interested in anyway. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I had uh, I grew up in the Midwest, which was great. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, I uh, you know obviously uh, I I uh, I met my brother David at a very early age, especially being that he's uh, two and a half years older than I am, so really <laughs> early. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we, people in Milwaukee, um, I think kind of have a self-deprecating sense of humor, uh, uh, you know, because we're a place where media comes to, not from. And, and, uh, you know, I, I growing up, uh, we didn't know anybody in the movie business. We, we didn't even know anybody who knew anybody in the movie business. It was, you know, it was, it was just really, uh, um, <clears throat> a very different uh, from being in Hollywood, where every you know garage mechanic ha- has a, a movie script <laughs> that they're trying to trying to sell, um, and and everybody knows uh, you know a bunch of people, and you see famous people all the time around town. Um, but but uh, I think we were you know it gave us a so- sort of a a sense of humor about not being the big guys, and and maybe that's part of the reason why we um, ended up doing. So Satire and poking fun uh, at 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 Hollywood and and big media and everything. So it sounds terribly British to me. <clears throat> that satirical, cynical, inward yeah. type humor. Yeah, it could be why. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because it could be why uh, satires are very popular in uh, in in England. Well, they probably started with John Cleese and Palin and the rest of them yeah, back in the sixties. Right, right, right. Was that uh, upbringing urban or country, or or where were you exactly? I was in a suburb of Milwaukee, so um, you know Milwaukee was <laughs> when I grew up. It was like the twelfth largest city in the country. Now it's it's way down. I don't know what it is in the twenties or something like that. But um, it was uh, you know a town of about a million people, uh, and and. Uh, 
uh, you know, Milwaukee and surrounding suburbs. And I grew up in a, you know, in a suburb called Shorewood, uh, uh, you know, where it had nice um, streets with trees and, uh, you know, little, um, you know, uh, 1,500 square foot houses, you know, lining the street. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was nice. It was a very nice, nice way to grow up. Is that uh, offering you good memories, thinking back? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I love Milwaukee. I love going back there. Um, you know, I don't, I, um, I don't regret moving out to California, but I do love Milwaukee. And your father was in real estate. Correct. How, how is it that you didn't follow in his footsteps? Uh, well, I, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> um, we did, in a sense, because as soon as we made it, some money, we started doing a lot of remodeling of our houses, all of us, or David and I did, certainly. But, but uh, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I often, a uh, kid with uh, David and Jim, that if, if we hadn't been able to, you know, come out here and, and make a, have a career in show business, I, I have no idea what we'd be qualified to do. And, and I'm not sure. Uh, uh, we did have an interest in the building business. Business, but but sort of just because we thought it was kind of interesting and and we were around it a lot, but I don't think um, uh, we had a passion for it. Uh, so um, you know, we we I mean I I guess in the back of our minds maybe it was always a possibility, but but we uh, you know our first uh, love was making people laugh so we pursued that and fortunately never never had to resort to the fallback position but there, there's always a catalyst isn't there there's always something that that takes you down a road can you remember looking back what it could be that took you down that comedic path and eventually into film getting horrible <laughs> grades in, in high school oh, <laughs> what that was it was it like we had to turn to something else no i i think you know we we were uh, well i mean there was a couple things it's hard to say the 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 idea of just enjoying making people laugh was something that happened very young and you know maybe it was something to do with uh, our, our our families or or maybe it was uh, um <clears throat> something to do with uh, you know when I I grew up I was I was short I grew later so I, when I was little I was always the shortest person in the class and they often say that's a, a an incentive to to try comedy uh, and and uh, but but and and also that's kind of what you know growing up I think all three of us got recognized for and encouragement for i mean even if as a you know and when i say encouragement i'm not talking about uh you know uh, um official encouragement but just but just people responding laughing at our jokes we get kicked out of class for it but they you know we we'd make the class laugh so so that was we would consider encouragement but but in terms of uh uh, a catalyst to really pursue a career in show business. I think it was the the theater that we we started. We started a little theater called Kentucky Fried Theater uh, in uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, where uh, we all went to school and the, the University of Wisconsin. And uh, uh, we we were uh, uh, you know 
had live skits, and it was a, it was a live show with uh, some videotape. We had gotten a hold of some videotape equipment and, and made uh, little you know spoofs on TV shows and films and commercials and whatever. And uh, and and running that show was at first kind of a lark and just something that was really fun. But the more we did it, the the more we got. You know, we we felt we didn't want to give it up. It was it felt like a vocation, or a, hopefully a vocation to us. So we we took it out to Los Angeles, and so that that show really took us from you know fooling around while while at school to uh, pursuing it as a profession. But that that must have been looking back on it. Is that was that not a risk? Because that is that the hardest type of thing to do in comedy? Actually, stand up, being in the theatre. Versus uh, an actor working on a set in, on, on a comedy film, that there's a huge divide there in yeah. in what you have to achieve very quickly with an audience. I, I would say there's a huge the the biggest the riskiest or scariest I should say thing is stand up. You know, it's just you standing up there, and and especially when you're trying new jokes. Uh, once you've tried out a joke and it works, I think it's it's no longer risky. And so I, I think that, and also when you're 21 years old, very little is risky. <laughs> you know, in other words, because what's the worst that can happen? And, and uh, so really, uh, you know, putting together a show and yes, you're always nervous the first when you, the first time you, you, you preview a show, but you know, you don't charge admission, and you, or you invite friends, or what, whatever, and and you know you you, or you preview out of town, and not 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 something we did, but um, uh, you know like a, a Broadway show, and and then when you get it, so it's working, and then you start putting you put it up, and you charge admission, and and it's it 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 certainly didn't feel risky. So, so looking back on it now, can you remember any times when you would be um, doing this and and you m- make a joke and people would just sit there and not do oh. anything, not flinch? Well, a lot of times, <laughs> but once the show was, but 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 actually, once the show was was up and running, uh, you know, it's interesting, and this and I find the same thing with films too. You know, two audiences of you know. Of a of hundred people or more will be very similar. They, the volume may change, but really, you know, people kind of laugh at the same thing. And once in a while, you just get this unusual audience that that just doesn't laugh at anything, and and you'll get this unusual audience that is just going crazy and falling on the floor laughing. But basically, it's 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 actually kind of steady. So uh, I, clearly, there were a lot of times when we would try something new and it didn't get a laugh, or you know, one particular audience didn't like something. But the the show on the whole. Um, you know, always 
um, you know, always went reasonably smoothly. What, what is the method when that happens? I mean, rather than climbing underneath the table and, and cow- well, cowering, what do you have to do to bring the audience back immediately? Well, you just go, I mean, w- one thing about our humor, and maybe, you know, it was uh, born of, of that kind of fear of humiliation. Um, and, <laughs> and, but we, it's a very fast pace. And, and maybe, and maybe you, even, you know, the pace of, of our films, uh, where everybody always commented that, you know, it feels like a joke a, a minute or, or, or every, or every 15 seconds or whatever. And, and maybe that does to some extent come from the fact that we were all, you know, perform on, used to perform on stage and we were really not actors, we were writers. And, and, but we hated to be up, to, to, to not have people laughing. And, and whereas a lot of actors really just enjoy playing characters, you know, they get to play the, the old, man with uh, the limp or some kind of, you know, Russian soldier or whatever it is, they silly characters, and those um, are, you know, there's sort of an appreciation of the acting. Well, for us, we never, we didn't, we weren't capable of any of that kind of the actual <laughs> acting, and and so we just hated, you know, it was just, it was all our jokes. That, that's what it was all for, for us, to make people laugh, not, not to get personal recognition for, for a performance, and so um, we we developed this fast pace because we didn't like um, going too long between laughs. The other thing is that it's kind of the audience audience is kind of like a a, a, a big stone in a, a, a way, a big round you know uh, um, rock or boulder, I should say, and and it's a little hard to get moving, but once you get it moving. You you know it's much easier, so you don't want to stop, <laughs> and so that's what our our theory was: just to keep um, you know keep them on their toes, keep new jokes going on. Isn't that all the time. It, isn't that the benefit though? I mean, somebody like Michael York who came on the program, and I mean he's a stage actor, he's a Laurence Olivier uh, mentored actor, and a lot of his work was on the stage and Shakespeare yeah. and everything else. I mean that has got to be a great way to start because you're feeding yeah. you're feeding from the audience well I, and that's what it's all about uh, absolutely true um, you you I mean depending certainly if you're doing comedy but probably I think for for almost any kind of acting because it's it's at least for me it's about communication you know it's it's not especially in 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 film because it's you know it's not like a um uh, you know a painter you know putting a a new painting on the wall and if two people like it that's great or maybe just if he likes it it's great and he can consider it a work of art and 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 explain it to to everyone or something but with uh, you know a, a, a film with the cost of millions of dollars and 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 you know the the uh, need to bring in a large audience is it just and and I think Broadway shows are are the same way they're just not designed uh, that way they're I think they're more about communication you know you're you're and that's why I I like films personally that 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 communicate 
emotion. I mean, of, of uh, make me laugh, scare me, make me uh, afraid, uh, think, uh, to, uh, make me think, um, uh, make me cry, whatever it is. Um, and and you know that I think that communication of emotion is 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 what makes uh, films uh, and and theater successful. And 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 I think the best way to understand how to to get a real feel for that communication is by uh, spending time in front of live audiences. So okay, let me let me make the statement here. Then you start in what I consider the most difficult situation with stand-up comedy, and you you travel, you take this journey, and then you you finally arrive uh, at airplane and. Th- that must be, is it not a more difficult process for actors and for directors and for writers? Um, it's not exactly the sitcom situation like, like something like According to Jim. You don't have an audience. How can you, how can you, uh, presuppose from the actor's point of view and from your point of view whether what you're doing on that set with nobody to give you that, that reflection that you need, that, that it's actually going to work? Um, excellent question. Uh, one thing that really helped us was that um, part of our show, our live show, was always uh, videotape. You know, I, I mentioned earlier we got a hold of this uh, videotape uh, uh, machine, and in those days, I say machine because it was this huge box with a reel-to-reel, you know, tape on it. Uh, this was in the you know early 70s, and a and a camera attached to it, and 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 then it was only black and white, and not nearly as good as as you know as the as the uh, uh, the video that you can get on your iPhone, uh, but but it was uh, wonderful for us because we could just keep filming stuff, see it back right away, and and then erase it and and do something else. And so uh, we were having a blast. But what we did is we learned how to put jokes on film, and so we could we we try something on the video and then show it to the audience and see where they laughed and and or didn't, and then we'd edit it. And and it's really a, always a trial and error process. And although your instincts get better, e- even when you then go and 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 uh, and make a a, a, a movie, uh, you, you're still you still preview it in front of an audience and end up cutting a third of it out with the with the comedy. I mean, you preview it long. I think our first preview of Airplane was two hours, um, and it ended up to be a ninety minute. A movie. So you just, you know, we we always hope when we when we when we uh, preview those movies, we always just uh, we never pray that it all works. We just pray that it that we have ninety minutes that works. Okay, so that's that's not exactly a conventional storytelling technique, is it? It's, there's there's some comp- complexities there that um, mean that throughout the whole process, all the way to an audience previewing it, yeah. you have to have the expectation that something could possibly change and that you may have to go back and adapt. Yes, exactly. I mean, look, a lot of it obviously is your instincts. And when you, the reason they let you make a movie is because they think, you know, at least I'd say with a comedy, is because they think you know how to make people laugh. They, they think you know, uh, have some knowledge of, of um, 
of of what's going to be funny in in uh, in a film, and and how it's going to you know what will play on 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 screen. So obviously, a lot of it is is um, you know just our, our instincts, and it was great all those years to have three of us uh, because we we you know if, we if all three of us agreed that something was really funny we we always we had great confidence uh, in it but but you know and that but that only gets you so far because you're just never a hundred percent right you're you're always you know it, it, there are always things that that surprise you and and uh things that you thought were hysterical that don't work and you just hope that you can cut around them or minimize them or or uh, or whatever you need to do well i guess that's the subjectivity of, of the whole art isn't it i mean yeah. You, uh, yeah. in in any film i mean look yeah. at look at the films that have come out in the last year and you yeah. you would think blimey they would do really well and they completely tanked i mean i i suppose that's the risk of the business yeah no it it it, it always um it always is it's a it's a risk it's a risk business and and actually unfortunately now the movie studios are mostly uh, all owned by by big corporations who don't like that risk and so they're they're trying to uh, make it as risk free as possible by doing the kinds of movies that that they think you know they can sell more easily as opposed to the kind of movies that that they have passion about that will that will play okay so it's become a um bean counter business as it were i think it's swung <laughs> back uh, that way yeah yeah now would you define uh, films like airplane police squad as slapstick in um, in a, in a way uh, yeah, there is slapstick in them, but mostly I would say satire. I, I would def- I would def- I would define that genre as as satire. So so if it's satire, then being a staunch Englishman, I certainly understand the humour in that because we're terribly satirical. Yeah. Does, but it, is that a challenge with an American audience? Uh, well, it's funny. It it it. It, it isn't actually, but it was when we started. It was a challenge in the American studio system. Um, in other words, there there was this um, movie out years ago called The Big Bus, and which was a satire which flopped. And and I I would say not to want to offend anybody involved, but I would say deservedly because it 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 just um, it, you know for my uh, taste it didn't hit the notes cor- correctly and and uh uh it, it it you know we had a different version a, a different idea of what satire should be and and our version was that the actors should play it straight you know they should pretend that they don't know they're in a comedy and and uh but this this the big bus was out and everybody was sort of thinking it was the studios were thinking it was or the 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 people around it were, and the studio that made it was thinking it was great, and it completely uh, flopped, and it made it harder to get um, a, a, a satire made. I think you know, there's this. Um, I can't remember who said it, but it was in reference to Broadway. But they said satire is what dies on Saturday night. 
you know that there was this thing that you know people like satire maybe in the in in a magazine or a skit or something but you you can't do a whole show and and uh so, you know fortunately we were able to convince Michael Eisner, who was running Paramount at the time, uh, that that this uh, um, and I should I don't mean convinced like he didn't get it. He 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 was always a big fan of the of the film, and and uh, so you know thank God for him, and and he 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 didn't think of genre. He just thought it was a great idea for a movie, and he thought the script was funny, and and he. Uh, um, you know, and the budget was really low, which really helped. Uh, and, <laughs> I'm and, sure. Yeah, and uh, and and so the movie got made, but it got turned down everywhere else. I, I'm sure that that straight sort of acting, like Nielsen. I mean, so that's, yeah. that's a whole new way of acting back yeah. then, wasn't it? I mean, to, yeah, yeah, it was. And it's, as a matter of fact, <laughs> the um, when when we that was kind of a concession to us to be able to cast those people. I don't think anybody really understood it, and and I, I really. It makes complete sense to me that they wouldn't understand it. I don't think, like, I don't look back and say what what you know dummies they were, or something like that, because it's a it was a you know it's an easy concept to grasp once you see it in the theater. It seems obvious, but but uh, um, it, it, it's much harder. Like all casting, it's much harder at the time and at, or before you you start shooting. And and I remember after the first day of dailies, we got a call from the studio, and they were very excited about dailies. And they said, "Now we get it," because just seeing Leslie Nielsen saying, "I am serious and don't call me Shirley," you know, they they saw why it was so great to have, you know, a straight actor like Leslie Nielsen playing it straight. And, and, what, what, what about him, though? I mean, did, did he understand just how hysterical he was? Yes, Leslie did. You know, it, was, it varied with those actors. Uh, Le Leslie loved it. Leslie always said, I would have paid them to do this film, you know, and, and he, he um, Leslie was kind of like a fish in water. He just, uh, he just loved that kind of satire. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. He must have been, uh, that surely was a transition in his career. Yeah. And was, was that not a complete segue away from everything he'd been used to? And then you yeah. go into that and Naked Gun. Uh, did that really def define his career properly at that stage? Well, I think it, I think it did. I mean, Leslie Nielsen was, you know, an actor who always worked steadily. He, he's been in, you know, hundreds of, uh, of episodes of, of, you know, television shows. Um, and, and, uh, <clears throat> he was um, he was always reliable, and he was you know he was he was good, and I think people recognized him, uh, you know, when they'd see him. But it was more oh that guy, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and and then this you know came along, and it and you know airplane and naked gun, and it it was a whole new career for him, and he became a leading man in a sense as 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 a comedian. 
So by the mid eighties, you you now have this this great uh, portfolio of films behind you, and then all of a sudden you you uh, look at Ghost. Now, what a complete transition uh, contrast to what you had been doing. How was that uh, for you personally? How did that you have to change your style, your approach? Well, um, at the time, I was just. Uh, um looking for uh, we were finishing up the naked gun and i was just looking for a move you know a, a good film uh and and i didn't care what it was although i actually did not want to do satire again i kind of had od'd on on that a bit and and so uh, uh someone at the at paramount uh where we did the naked guns um uh, said gee there's a script uh, ghost and uh, you know it's not a comedy but it's uh, I think it's the best piece of material we have maybe you like it and so I read it and I thought I just you know I just liked the script it wasn't about I want to do this now or I, I want to do change my style or do a serious movie or whatever I just thought this is really a great script and then I met with the writer and and Bruce uh, Joel Rubin who is fantastic and uh, it, it's uh, uh, and and I, I didn't really feel I mean it's funny the biggest change for me was that I was directing by myself uh, but but it, it it really um uh in terms of 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 just making a a a, a drama instead of a comedy you're always uh sitting behind the camera there uh looking at the scene and saying you know is this working and and it's is this you know how do i get it to uh um uh, how do I get my vision across? And and as long as you have a vision, as long as you you get a piece of material, and 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 you have a vision for it, then I don't know that it matters what you've done or never done. Um, and then I was just sitting behind the camera saying, "Does this make me cry?" Instead of "Does this make me laugh?" During some of the the scenes, and of course, Ghost had a lot of comedy in it too. So. you, Molly. I've always loved you. Ditto.
was a profoundly uh, successful film and many of the effects were very dynamic. Do you look back upon that film as being um, one that, that changed filmmaking in many ways, especially with, with Patrick Swayze's performance and, and the, the storyline behind it? I don't, I don't know. I can't answer that. Um, it, it, I mean, I just, you know, because I don't know what other people think. I really haven't heard it mentioned as that before. I know that I, I believe it was that we were actually the first film, a uh, major film, to use CGI. Uh, and, it, and it was uh, really just in that, in the end sequence when Patrick uh, sort of goes off to he kisses Molly and says, "I've always loved you," and goes to to uh, and to join these uh, these white figures. And and uh, I, I think uh, um, that was Richard Edland who we had approached, and he said, "You know, I think there's a way to do this on a computer." And we said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah, there's a computer now, and you can kind of transfer it to video, and it's not too bad." And 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 so and there was this computer called a Harry. That was the name of the computer. And and uh, I don't know if they still use them or if they're still. It's uh, you know probably it was this amazing big expensive you know two million dollar computer or something. It's probably now you know less powerful than an iMac or something. I don't know. But but uh, it it was uh, um, so I think that was either the first or one of the first uh, to do uh, to do that. So when you're engaged in a film like that and you've, you've spent so many years uh, finding that comedic uh, perfection and that, that storytelling and, and, yeah. and figuring out how people actually react, do you become emotional yourself? Do you have to become emotional in what you do to absolutely ensure that people come away from films that potentially can change their lives? Well, I, I mean, yeah, for me, I, that may be a different answer with different directors but you know for me I, I have yeah I have to be passionate and I have to um, I, I just don't know how to do a movie um, as 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 a job you know I, I, and I don't think I would be good at it just to take a script and say all right I can I can do this you know I, I know how to where to put the camera and what to tell the actors. I, I, I mean, every movie and, you know, some of them are, uh, end up working and some of them don't, but I, I always approach them thinking, God, this is going to be great and having great passion and thinking I'm going to move people or, 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 or teach people or change people or, 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 or make them laugh or whatever it is. Has there ever been an, a, a time in your life uh, during this journey so far when you've actually sat down and thought, oh, this isn't working. Where, where do I need to go to, to reignite myself here? Uh, yeah, I think that happens all the time. And the most frustrating thing for me and I think for a lot of uh, directors is, is the, the development process. It's really hard to get a good script. You know, and I think that's why there aren't better movies, lots of better movies out. I mean, that's, that's a, a movie script, a good, a great movie script, which Ghost was, um, is, is really, um, uh, you know, is really difficult and an arduous process. And so uh, I've had a lot of those that I've had hopes for and that have 
sizzled. You know, I, I, they didn't get to be movies, and and uh, um, and shouldn't have. I mean, not, you know, uh, uh, I mean, if I, I've had some scripts that I thought should be movies, and I'm still trying to get going, but but uh, the the uh, I've had a bunch that I just like, you know, um, I just couldn't get them to to work, and that and that certainly has made me at times feel like. You know what am I doing? I gotta gotta change my my approach or or or, or do something different. Is is there anything in particular that you may do? I, I was terribly interested that in some of your films you brought your family back in and cast your mother Charlotte and, yes. and your sister Susan. Was yeah. there a method behind that? The reason behind that? Well, you know, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, my mother, who's who's not with us any anymore, but when when she. You know, she was always a, um, loved acting, and and kind of really gave it up um, as a as a um, as a vocation um, uh, to raise kids, and and uh, um, and so it was uh, wonderful. Uh, you know, when we started making movies, to be able to put her in our movies, and she loved it, and she was great. I mean, I think she was really good in the film she's actually a she's actually a, a, a talented uh, actress and we would try to find uh, parts that were appropriate uh, for her um, and 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 she loved being on the set she loved taking directions from her from her sons and and uh, she's she always would kid with people um, that this was our revenge, you know? <laughs> uh, but 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 in fact she loved it, and 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 David and I always loved having her in our our, our movies. Must have been a, a very special time. So you, here we are traveling through the mid nineties, and you arrive at first night, and then a walk in the clouds. Are there any particular memories of, especially the actors involved in those films? And, and I see, wrong or right, a bit of a, a change in direction here, especially with First Night. Would that be correct? Well, I don't know what I mean. First Night. Uh, in 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 my personal opinion, didn't really work. Um, you know that I consider a kind of a, a failure. I mean, it made money, and I think there was there were some great performances in the movie. There were uh, uh, some scenes that I'm I'm uh, prou- very proud of, um, but uh, I think the whole didn't work, and that's the most important thing it's it's everything in a way and 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 that's really falls uh, you know squarely on my shoulders so um you know that was a um uh, i'm not i think i was uh, my mistake was i was you know maybe chasing a theme and and forgot to uh um uh, to entertain or something and and uh i i don't know it was uh um uh, you know, it's not, it's not a movie that I uh, uh, I think is entirely successful. You're, you're, you're citing the uh, maybe creative uh, faults, but but could it have also been uh, commercially too bent or or uh, in any way? Do you think it was over commercial, or or is that just not a consideration here? 
No, I don't think. Well, no, I mean it. It, it wasn't over. I don't know. I'm sure what you mean by commercial, but well, I, I suppose. I suppose were the was it made with the intent of making money more than than oh, right. you had you had expected to to, to create? Could uh, could could be. Um, I mean, look. At one thing is, I should. I mean, I always like to. I just feel fresher when I'm trying new things and working in new, uh, new canvases, and uh, uh, I, I um, and certainly that kind of film was something that was totally out of my comfort zone. But I, I think in retrospect, um, too far out, and and I, I was never even a particular fan of. Uh, the the uh, you know the the Camelot all the Camelot mythology. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was great, and and when I would watch or read about it, but I was never like enthralled with it. I just we we got this script uh, uh, about you know that it was from Lancelot's point of view, and it was romantic, and 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 I uh, there were themes in it that I really. Uh, 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 that interested me and 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 so i spent some time you know working on it and developing it and and then i don't know it just uh um it, it, you know it seemed like it would be a fun thing to do and there were a lot of really cool things in the movie and but it wasn't really me you know what i mean it, it just that movie was not um it didn't it, it wasn't really my <laughs> You know my heart and soul. What was was that compensated in a way by a walk in the clouds with uh, Keanu Reeves? I mean, was was that more successful in terms of the romantic elements in the story? Yeah, well, I I don't know. They're just it's hard to, com to compare. They're very different movies, and and I think um, you know Walk in the Clouds just had a different had a um, a, a more. Uh, you know, uh, airy, fun tone, you know, to it, and and uh, um, uh, I like what Alfonso Arau uh, did with it, uh, uh, and he loves, he's great at, at filming these families and food and and uh, um, and at the romantic stories, and uh, so uh, yeah, but I don't think I don't look at the films as having any connection at all. Going on to the production side of filmmaking, uh, your wife Janet obviously uh, worked with Rat Race and First Night. Yeah. Um, how important is it uh, to have a really good collaborative uh, position and style with your producer on any film? Um, well, I, I think it's Im I think it's really important. I mean, in the case of uh, well, I, I should it's that would vary from. Uh, Different with different people. I mean, I've 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 worked in in situations where I haven't. In the case of my wife, what she gives me, which is great and really important, is she's the, uh, she's willing to tell me the truth, <laughs> and she <laughs> and uh, and she's and she's very uh, blunt. I think sometimes too blunt 
but about about saying I don't like that. That doesn't. Why would you want to do that? That doesn't make any sense, you know. Um, and and she's she she's critical. And but I I need and I don't mean that's not that's not her personality. It's just with me. <laughs> yeah, you you're digging yourself deep here now. Yeah, I know exactly. Got to watch out. <laughs> um, the the uh, no, but she's she's smart, and I there's no one whose opinion I respect more. And and uh, so to have someone who you a completely trust, and and I mean we disagree about things all the time, but in terms of I I never trust her mo I I never mis mistrust her motives. I I always know she's just she's she's wants what's best for you know for for me and for the and for the film and and so uh, I but but she's always just she's completely honest and most of the time uh, you know I hate to say it but most of the time when she there's something that bothers her and she expresses it she's right and and I do you know end up uh, eventually making a change and and so I think it's I think it's important particularly you know when you get to the point where others may be afraid to challenge you always to have someone uh, like that 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 will and for me that's that's the most important thing and then beyond that it's obviously the more people you can have who who understand your vision uh, actors other producers production people you know costume designers it's it's obviously really important yeah and that that must always be a challenge for any director but i have to say that i'm very proud that you uh, saved yourself there in those last words about mm-hmm. Uh, Janet, um, <laughs> that was a that was a great job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, no, it's, I mean it's all it's true, and what I mean, you know, when I say uh, critical, I actually mean it in the most positive, in the most positive way, because you need that. You know, you really need someone who will give you an opposite point of view and will tell you when they think something is your your vision is skewed. You need you need to be challenged, and not not that. Um, uh, and it's much better, uh, you know. With a when I'm challenged by a studio, I tend to be a little more defensive because I don't, you know, I don't trust the studio motives always, or 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 I don't trust their their um, their expertise uh, uh, always in doing what you know. We're not always trying to make the same kind of movie, but but uh, I, to have someone around whose whose uh, instincts I really do trust um, is is and have them around all the time is really invaluable now clearly as your career continues uh, with great success and now you're looking at uh, wider issues and you you travel through the proposition 71 uh, stem cell research uh, uh, initiative and then you get to the uh, what i'm interested in the science and entertainment exchange uh, which i suppose had had some sort of synergy with with what we were talking about the other day at the 5T event in Long Beach. Um, what is it that you are getting out of that in being able to collaborate with engineers and scientists and, and people not directly uh, involved in in your creative sphere? What 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 are they doing in your work? How are they helping you? Well, um, actually, I did. Funny, I just recently called them uh, because uh, I, I'm uh, uh, working on a movie now where the the lead character is uh, a husband and wife, and she's a uh, 
um, uh, she's a, a scientist and, and he's an engineer, and so I wanted to know what kind of companies they would work at and, and what they might be doing and what possibilities and, and, uh, and all. But, but my interest in it, um, so it was, so it was, it was, uh, you know, really helpful, you know, personally to have it, uh, to have it there to use it. But my interest in, in all this uh, stems from uh, my daughter having type 1 diabetes. Uh, she was diagnosed about 11 years ago. And, uh, you know, we, we started to um, investigate what, you know, cures are on the horizon and, and what's going on and what we can do to help her. And, and you know, of course, the first thing you realize is that if, if you're going to find a, a cure for something, it's, it's not not going to come from a pharmacy or a, a doctor. Uh, it's going it's to come from science. And so we then became uh, big proponents of, 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 of science. And, and, uh, uh, and then, of course, horror of horrors, the, the, uh, the president of the United States at the time, uh, uh, George Bush, was, was against uh, a, a lot of the science that would, would help Katie and millions of other people. So we kind of dove in and started to, um, uh, you know, do what we could do. We went to Washington to advocate and and to lobby, and then we started uh, Proposition 71, the Stem Cell Initiative. And now, what we want is just is better science messaging in in movies. We'd like to see less movies where the scientist was the 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 mad megalomaniac out to destroy the world and see more movies where science was uh, uh, portrayed as a as a as a as a good thing and a, and a cool thing and and even um, uh, uh, in sci-fi I'm not talking about you know trying to get people to do movies with a completely accurate um, serious uh, you know bench science or whatever but <laughs> but uh, uh, there's uh, you know certainly evidence that that uh, uh, people are influenced by what they see in 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 film and, and television, and uh, in fact, there was a, a survey that that uh, indicated that uh, a lot of women were going into science, were pursuing science as a career uh, because of the positive effect of seeing a female scientist as a lead character in the X Files. I mean, a completely kind of you know unscientific show in a way, but yet. It was in pursuing, you know, other world phenomena, whatever. Uh, it, she was still a scientist approaching it, sci- you know, scientifically, and and uh, it was, uh, and that was that was very positive. Uh, uh, what what is it that that you would like to do to supplement that, to support all of that in your filmmaking? I mean, do, has it changed your goals somewhat to, to looking at uh, um, health issues, to looking at the bigger picture, to looking at sustainability, to looking at the environment, to looking at humanity and what you do in the future? Well, it it, it has, and and I do. I mean, I also probably the older I get now, the more you feel you want to you want to give back. You know, it's 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 you know, it's not all about making it or, you know, uh, um, 
or about your career any, uh, anymore. And, uh, um, and, and actually, it's amazing how fun and rewarding it can be to, to combine those, uh, those things and, and uh, you know, attempt to make movies that are tremendously entertaining, but, but also um, bring certain issues to, to light. And uh, that's, you know, I think um, <clears throat> a wonderful thing, for instance, about the Greenpeace movie that we're involved in now uh, that, that uh, my wife and I are producing with uh, John Turtletaub, who's going to direct it, um, that, that, you know, telling the true story of Greenpeace, which is wild and, and fun and extraordinary, uh, what these people did, but, but it, it, uh, it, it furthers an appreciation um, for, for the environment, which I, I think is really uh, important for people to have a connection to. I think Avatar was a great film in terms of, of, uh, of maybe changing people's uh, um, or, or, or connecting people a little bit more to, to the planet. Do you think, do you think in all, with all that said, there's an even more uh, importance that should be placed upon the, the film medium as, as, as spreading ideas, spreading solutions in the I th future? I think people know that. I think people, people get that. I wish, you know, the unfortunate thing is now, uh, you know, the studios, once again, because they're owned by large corporations, um, who, and, and that's not their interest. Uh, is to do you know in their personal life maybe, but but it used to be that the studios were owned by movie lovers and they would have you know in addition to the uh, big you know uh, blockbuster entertainment kind of uh, films they would also uh, have some pet projects that they you know feel would felt would be. Um, uh, you know things that they were passionate uh, about, and and that's the thing that I think is is uh, that's the mentality that's disappearing now from from the studios, and you know partly because movies are getting more expensive, but they everyone has to be a big hit now, and and, and so uh, unless you can do it for a very low budget and 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 do it in the independent world, which is certainly a possibility. Well, in the last minute of the program, Jerry, uh, looking back over your career so far, what are the greatest memories? What what uh, is it that gives you the assurance to keep pursuing filmmaking as your art uh, and creating films that can help these these bigger issues that we have in the world? Well, you know, some of my greatest. Um, uh, the thrills have been watching audiences watch our films and and uh, or even being in the audience of someone else's film and you know that group experience of, of, of laughing together or or being awed uh, together or crying together is is uh, is something quite magical that that I'll I would I'll never stop you know, they'll have to lay me in the grave before I'll stop being excited about uh, about that particular um, aspect. And that, you know, there are certainly a lot of parts of the movie business that you kind of are not so much fun and you tear your hair out and, you know, 
getting the financing together and all but but you know actually being on the set and making a film and and uh, and seeing it play and uh, is just is uh, is fantastic i'm a very i'm a lucky guy I'm sorry son but you must have me confused with someone else my name is roger murdoch i'm the co-pilot doctors say he's got a 50 50 chance of living though there's only a 10 percent chance of that Wilma, I promise you, whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. Yeah, come on, Wilma. You'd better tell the captain we've got to land as soon as we can. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Tell the captain I must speak to him. Certainly. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well... Not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? No, no, no. I mean, we can't land for another two hours. Jerry Zucker, film director and writer, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, sharing this time with you on the program today. I do thank you. Thank you, David. It's been, it's been great. And to our listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed this program as much as I have. Uh, you can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.